0: Thank you guys for being here. It is my privilege to be able to speak to you tonight. And before we have tonight's sermon, I'd like to ask you to bow your heads and your hearts with me in prayer. Gracious, loving Heavenly Father, Lord, with great joy, we come before you in this evening in worship because you are worthy. Father, what a blessed weekend we've had thus far, and we look forward to the many blessings that you are going to so freely and richly pour out upon this group And this camp, because you love us, and Father, because you have commissioned us to serve a purpose for your honor and your glory. I want to pray a special blessing tonight, Father, on this group, this group of young people whose hearts, I pray, would be open to your word. Father, that our ears would be open, that our hearts would be open, that we'd be willing to listen to what you would have to say to us, and Father, that we would do something about it. Pray and ask a blessing upon myself, Father, that you would give me the words to speak. Father, may your word go forth, and may you receive honor, glory, and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So, it is my privilege to address you this, this evening as a millennial. Yeah, I'm, I'm a millennial. I was born in 1987, and the millennial generation started in 1980, and I think Some people draw some arbitrary lines of, like, you know, what generation cutoff starts, when does it start, when does it stop, who knows? So, you know, that's how I'm classified, is Generation Y, a millennial. 1980 to 1995, I think. Every single one of you in this room is from Generation Z. You guys probably know that. You're all born after 1996, otherwise you wouldn't be here, except for maybe a few of you, I see, which have come to join us. You're welcome to be here. But you guys are from Generation Z, and... There are some distinct differences, generally speaking, between your generation and mine, right? A couple of those things are going to be, let's start with technology. How many of you own a smartphone? Raise your hand. I'm actually shocked that some people aren't raising their hands. Really? You don't own a smartphone? Okay, that's, that's impressive. But really, for my generation at your age, like nobody owned a smartphone, You guys grew up with technology in a way that my generation did not. That's a difference. You guys also, believe it or not, allegedly have a shorter attention span than my generation does. Apparently, I have about eight seconds to get your attention before you go in a la-la land. So do I have your attention? Yeah? Okay. Here's another interesting difference between your generation and mine. Your generation is more of like, you guys are more go-getters. Uh, you guys have what's called an entrepreneurial spirit, meaning you guys want to go out and you want to do your own thing. Right, wrong, or indifferent, you want to do your own thing. My, genera- my generation is known as being like specialists, meaning you know we kind of got really good at one thing. And, and that's true in my life. I'm very good at like, some niche thing that I do for work, and that's pretty much it, right? But from your generation, something like 72% of you want to grow up to, to have your own business, to do your own thing. That's pretty, that, that's pretty amazing. Here's another one. Your generation is known as being more open-minded, or shall I say confused, than mine. How many of you can identify with this picture? Raise your hand. Who, who feels like this? When you think about your life, and when you think, where am I going? There's a million different paths... For the sake of the recording, there's an image of a man who's standing in front of a bunch of paths, pathways that are splitting up. They're going in different directions. How many of you kind of feel like this in life? Just raise your hand. It's okay. Yeah, I did too when I was a teen. In some ways, I still do. But see, this is kind of what it is to be in your shoes. And not just in your generation, but in all generations. You're hitting some major crossroads in your life. There are a lot of pivotal things that are going to happen. And sometimes that's a little scary. Sometimes it's a little confusing. Sometimes you're getting a lot of information from a lot of different sources, and you don't know how to discern between A, B, C, or D. Here's one thing I love about you guys. You ready? 60% of you want to change the world. Who here wants to leave your mark, your print, on this world? Raise your hand. Okay? That's a good, that, we're probably getting close to 60 60% want to change the world. In my generation, they say about 39%. We, we weren't as concerned about making some global impact. But what I love about your generation, with your passion and your zeal, and with your youthfulness, is you guys are not satisfied with just the status quo, 9 to 5, I'm going to get my paycheck, and I'm just going to move on with life. You know, the generation before mine, it's almost a joke. There were these bumper stickers on the back of people's cars, and you know what it says? It said, it used to say, he who dies with the most toys wins. Isn't that weird? It's almost, it, was almost, it was almost like a game. Like, he who accumulates the most stuff wins life. What a joke. But see, your generation wants to do something. You guys want to do something meaningful. And I, I love that about you guys. That's so exciting. I commend you for that, but how do you want to do that? Do you want to do it by achieving world peace? That's a great goal. I mean, that's a great humanitarian need. Do you want to achieve it by solving world hunger? How do you, what do you want to do with your life that you're going to leave an imprint on this world? Do you want to have access? Do you want to somehow provide the world with access to education? I don't know how many of you can see the bottom of the screen. There's a little boy who's, who's studying and he t- you know, looks like he's from a foreign country that's maybe impoverished. Do you want to give the world access to clean water because it's a stunning percentage of the world that doesn't have access to clean water? Do you want to solve climate change? You know, how do you want to make your print on this world? Well, let me tell you something. Everything that you're looking at here is it's temporal. It's temporary. That doesn't mean it's not important, but that means that the significance is going to end here, and it's not going to go any further. Let's look at some people who had a real, who wanted to make a real lasting change. If you guys have your Bibles, smartphones, whatever, I have the verses up here as well. This is going to be the main text. So this is Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. Um... The theme verse is embedded in here. Go ye therefore. Highlighted in bold in verse 19. We're going to read this. A little bit of context before we do. Here, Jesus has been crucified, right? This is the last chapter of Matthew. Jesus has been crucified. He has resurrected. He has appeared to his disciples. And now, he's basically connected with them again. To leave them with an important message. Then the eleven disciples went away into Galilee, into a mountain where Jesus had appointed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and spake unto them, saying, All power, all power is given unto me in heaven and in earth. And here's our theme verse Go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son. And of the Holy Ghost, teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Amen. Let's look at this text for a minute. There are a few things that are interesting here. The first being that the disciples were in tune with Jesus. See, the scene where we're left here, as we're walking onto this stage, if you will... The disciples have found themselves in a place where Jesus told them to go. I want you to be here at this time. He had appointed them to be there. And you know what? They were obedient to that command. They were there when Jesus was there. Verse 17, when they saw him, what was their response? Their response following that obedience was worship. They worshiped him. Now, this is interesting because worship is not something that I can do to you and you can't do to me because we're on level playing fields. I'm a man, you're a man or a woman. The point is that we are on the same playing field. The fact that the disciples are worshiping Jesus speaks to his deity, that he is God. And yet, here's the interesting thing. Here is the man who was put to death not long before, who appeared to hundreds of people. And what does it say? What does it say? Says some worshiped, what did others do? What does it say? What? Some doubted. Isn't that amazing? Here's Jesus. Can you imagine? Put yourself in these people's shoes. Okay? You have gone to an appointed place because Jesus told you to be there, the risen Savior, and you encounter him, and when you see him, you're doubting. Like, how can this be Jesus? I saw him die. That can't be him. But then Jesus speaks these words. He says, all power is given to me in heaven and on earth. So Jesus is establishing his authority. He's saying, I have all power. Everything is given to me. And now he's going to commission them. He's going to tell them what they need to do. This is our key verse, right? Go ye therefore. Go and do what? Teach, baptize, teach people to observe all the things I've commanded you, meaning, Teach people to obey my commandments, to observe my commandments that I've given them. And he leaves them with this promise, and this promise extends beyond them, and it goes to you and it goes to me. He says, I am with you always, even into the end of the world. Amen. Did Jesus come to a random group of strangers and then commission them to go? No, he he knew the disciples. For a long time, right? So now I want to turn to another portion of Scripture. So this I don't have projected. It's in Luke chapter 5. So you could turn there with me. I'm going to read some verses from Luke chapter 5. A couple of accounts. You're probably familiar with them. So beginning with verse number 1. And it came to pass that as the people pressed upon him to hear the word of God, he stood by the lake of Gennesaret and saw two ships standing by the lake But the fishermen were gone out of them and were washing their nets. And he he entered into one of the ships, which was Simon's, and prayed him that he would thrust out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people out of the ship. Now when he had left speaking, he said unto Simon, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a draught. And Simon answering said unto him, Master, we have toiled all the night and have taken nothing. Nevertheless, at thy word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great multitude of fishes and their net brake. And they beckoned unto their partners, which were in the other ship, that they should come and help them. And they came and filled both the ships so that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he was astonished and all that were with him at the draught of the fishes which they had taken. And so was also James and John, the sons of Zebedee, which were partners with Simon. And Jesus said unto them, unto Simon, excuse me, fear not, from henceforth thou shalt catch men. And when they had, when they had brought their ships to land, they forsook all and followed him. Now please move forward to verse uh, 27. And after these things, he, that's Jesus, went forth and saw a publican named Levi sitting at the receipt of custom. And he said unto him, follow me. And he, Levi, left all, rose up and followed him. Okay. So we come to our first point. We come to the first main point, and I only have two. So if you have an 8-second attention span, I only need you to memorize two things today. I only have two points for you. We come to the first one. I want you to notice in these scriptures, both Matthew 28 and Luke 5, that Jesus did not go to a random group of strangers and tell them, "Hey, Go ye therefore and teach the nations. No, he didn't do that. But what he did do is he did go to strangers, and I'm air quoting that, as he went up to them and said, follow me. Come with me. Follow me. He did do that. Point number one, you have to go, and I'm pointing up, you have to go to God before you can go. Before you can go out to the world and teach all nations. You need to go before you go. This is an important principle. This is something that we are learning about right now, looking at Matthew 28 and Luke 5, is that these disciples, they were first called to go, to go to the Lord, to go to Christ. And it was only after three years that they were called to go, to go and teach. So I have an interesting statistic for you guys. It's a pretty jarring one for me there are probably about 188 registered teens, if I I remember my statistics correctly. There are 188 registered teens, and according to the statistics I have, there are only 25 registered converted. So there's 188 registered teens. Look around. This is a big room. Go ahead and look around. The room's packed. There's 188 of you. And by the way, I'm glad every single one of you came the only thing that leaves leaves me with a little bit of sorrow if you will is that out of all of you all 188 only 25 of you only 25 according to my statistics are converted that's 13 percent so i have a question and I, i'd like an answer from you guys when is a person no longer a child what do you guys think yeah ruby Okay, thank you. So maybe just for the recording, I would summarize that as when, the, when they're old enough for their parents to trust them to make decisions and be more independent. Okay, great. Any other thoughts? Claudia. When they become accountable. Excellent. Great. These are great thoughts. Yes. Okay. When they determine what's right and wrong. Good. I love this. Yes. When you reach the age of accountability, is there a certain number that, that's associated with that or no? Okay. Good. And that's true. Yes. D- Drew. That's okay. Okay. <laughs> I'm just happy to see your face, so you're good. Any other thoughts on that? If you had to throw out a number, like just because I'm fishing, I just want to know. Like if you had to throw out a number, like what number would you throw out? Like is it, is it 10 or is it 40? Like, you know, give me some, some, something to go off of. Okay, I heard 12. 13? I heard 16. Yeah, 55, all right. Okay, all right, bring it down, bring it down. Bring it down. So, so let let's let, let let me ask you a question. I've often wondered where does this idea come from? Where does this idea come from? That you know we can kind of kick the, the, the can down the road, proverbially speaking, of responsibility and kind of say, like, eh, I'm still a kid, I'm still a child, I'm still young. Like You know, I heard some of you saying 12, 13, 16, somebody said 55, I'm sure you're joking. Um, But the reality is, when I ask the question, how old is a child, I look around and you know what I see? Well, I'll tell you what I don't see. I don't see children. I don't see children. From the youngest of you in this room, I see young adults. I see souls that are becoming independent thinkers, I see people who, I would argue, have reached, probably most of you, if not all of you, the age of accountability. I think all of you, probably at this point, know right from wrong. You can discern when you're making a good choice, and you know when you're not quite doing the right thing. And yet, we live in, in society today where, for some reason, it's like uh, everybody can just put off responsibility and and all, that, and all that boring stuff until, maybe I'm like over 20 Maybe like by the time I'm 22, 24, 26, you know, then I'll be responsible. Then I'll get a job. Then I'll, you know, have a family. Then I'll start thinking about, you know, conversion as if I have like my whole life laid out in front of me. I'm no different. So I was not baptized as a teen. When I was your age, whatever your age is, I would have been sitting here and I would have been on the wrong side of that statistic I would have been the, you know, what is it, 163 people in this room that would have been sitting here and thinking to myself, that's for the older people. All those messages about, you know, conversion and stuff, like that's all that's for older people. I'm going to just check out now. And in my life, I postponed giving my life to Christ until I was 22 years old. And I regret that. For my own personal testimony, I regret that. I just continued to live in confusion, not knowing what the right way to go was. Remember that photo of all those pathways that are going all over the place? Making my own decisions without any accountability, without any counsel or advice. Making a lot of wrong decisions, by the way. A lot of bad decisions. A lot of decisions that I hope you do not make. A lot of decisions that brought me a lot of grief. And yet I continue to make them. That was my personal story. And it took me several years from the day that I started seeking Christ to the point where I could actually let go and I could actually say, like we said in teen choir, take my all, my silver and my gold, I lay it down at your feet, my Lord. It took me years to get to the point where I could say that. I would like to encourage each and every one of you in a, in a unique way, because, uh, you know, I'm a unique guy. If you're 13 years old, I want you to please stand up. All of you 13-year-olds, don't be shy. I want all of you to stand up if you're 13. All right, great. No, no, stay standing, stay standing. Because I actually want to address the 13-year-olds. And don't worry, you're all going to get your turn. So it's okay, don't worry. 13-year-olds. Do you guys remember the story about King Josiah? Do you guys Remember? Can somebody tell me how old King Josiah was when he started ruling the kingdom? Nope, not 11. Just not 13. Eight. He was eight years old. King Josiah was eight years old when he started to rule the kingdom of Israel. And so to my 13-year-olds, you're all older than eight. At eight, King Josiah was ruling a kingdom. At 13... You guys are are more mature. You guys are more equipped than you think you are. And by, by the way, King Josiah had a lot of advisors. He did. You have loving advisors surrounding you that want to give you good advice. They want you to make the right decisions like King Josiah did. You know what King Josiah did? King Josiah, at the age of eight, started to undo, he started to undo all of the evil things that the kings did that came before him. He started to tear down the idols. He commanded that the temple was going to be rebuilt. The priests found the book of the law. I tell this story to my son Joshua who is two, and he loves it. But they bring the book of the law to him, to King Josiah, and they read it in front of him, and he's weeping because he has not been following God for the first eight years of his life. Can you imagine? He's crying. I mean, I didn't, I didn't follow God for the first 22 years of my life. I want to encourage you, 13-year-olds, that you are more capable than you think you are. I want to encourage you that the Word of God, this book, has the instruction that you need. And with godly counsel and the book of the law, you too, you too can be like King Josiah. You guys can sit down. All right, if you're 14, stand up, please. If you're 14, don't be shy. I won't know, but stand up. Okay, 14-year-olds. 14 year olds one year are older, so much changes, right? So there's a story in the Bible about Naaman. And Naaman was a leper. He's a captain of the host of Syria, and he's a leper. And if you guys remember this story, he is looking for some remedy to his illness. Do you guys remember how he became healed? Who tipped him off to where he should go? Who remembers? Yes? The slave girl. Naaman's wife had a little girl. The Bible doesn't give us an age, but the way it speaks about her, it sounds like she was a young girl who was a slave. And she told Naaman's wife, she says to Naaman's wife, if Naaman would just go to my Lord, the king of Israel, there is a prophet in Israel who can heal him. And then he went. And all of this was changed and we have this amazing picture of Naaman being healed because of a little girl, you too can do an amazing thing no matter how young you are, no matter how small you might feel at times. It's one act, one act, and you can change the world. You guys can sit down. Thank you. 15-year-olds, you're next. Thank you for standing up. All right, my 15-year-olds. Another year and so much more changes, right? Okay, I have another story for you about somebody who was young that had a big impact in the Bible. When Jesus was preaching a sermon, it says that all the people that were listening grew faint. They grew hungry and they grew weak. And Jesus said, who here has food to feed all these people? Do you guys remember who brought the lunch that day? Anybody remember? It was a little boy. It says a young boy came up and he had a couple of fishes and a few loaves And you know what happened with just a few fishes and a few loaves? 5,000 people were healed because of one young boy. You may think you're young, but you can do so much. Just like that young boy who gave up his lunch and he got way more back in return. I want to encourage you to give up what you have to the Lord. You're going to get way more back. You guys can sit down and we're going to have the 16-year-old stand up. All right, my 16-year-olds, I now address you. Do you guys remember the story about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Yeah. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were slaves. They were slaves from a young age. And when it came time that a new law was passed, they said, no, we're not going to bow down before the idol. These three young people stood face to face with a king. And they said, we hear what you're saying, but you know what? We're not going to bow the knee. We're not going to bow to your idols. And if you remember the story, even though they were cast into the flames, you know what happened? They were saved. There are, a, there are a lot of people in this world. No, the world is trying to get your attention, my 16-year-olds. The world wants you to bow down to a lot of things. The world wants you to bow down to your own pleasure and your own will. Make yourself a God. Follow whatever you want. What do you want to achieve in this life? This is what the world is sending you, this message. Bow down to the idols of the world today. And just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I want to encourage you all to stand up and say, no, we won't bow the knee. And no matter what you do, our God is able. You guys can sit. 17-year-olds, arise. All right. David and Goliath. How old was David when he slew Goliath? All right, so the Bible doesn't say, but you know what? It's speculated, and I think it's pretty good. I would guess the same thing. It's speculated that David slew Goliath at 17 years old. 17 years old. At 17 years old, There was a young man who stood before a giant. And he said, I come before you in the name of the Lord God who rules over all. And without fear, he faced his greatest fear. Because he knew God had his back. You're 17. There are a lot of decision points coming up. There are a lot of scary moments. There are a lot of giants. But you know what? I want to encourage you that David stood before a giant and he didn't stand alone. The lion was at his back and God has your back. I encourage you to follow after the example of David and stand before the giant and the giant will fall with God's help. You may sit down. 18-year-olds. Now I'm starting to speak to like adults. You know, you guys are really, I mean, I was the whole time. Don't get me wrong, okay? Okay, I'm going to tell you the story about Joseph. You know, Joseph is a young man. Joseph was taken, he was captured, he was sold into slavery, his life took a crazy turn, he found himself in all kinds of places, and you know what? He was still faithful. He still was faithful to God. And his life, what followed his life, were blessings. Blessings that I can't even really describe to you adequately. At this point, at 18, you've probably already seen some things. You've probably already found yourself in positions and you've maybe made decisions that you regret. Maybe a lot. Joseph was in a lot of bad situations. But he trusted in God and he stayed faithful. And you all can trust in God and stay faithful. But you need to trust in God. And I want to encourage you to do that. No matter how crazy the ride gets, you guys can sit down. And then my 19-year-olds, thank you. Thank you for standing. My 19-year-olds. Daniel. Daniel. He is going to be our last example that I'd like to encourage you with his example. Daniel was brought into captivity as well at a young age. And if you remember, Daniel said he wasn't going to partake of the king's meat. He said, I don't want any meat from the king's table. This was the king of Babylon. And you know what? He stuck, he stuck to his decision. He made a commitment. He followed through with it. And he had the faith, he had the faith that God was going to bring about the fruit of his decision. And when they came back and they said, well, you know, these other people are going to be like nice and plump and healthy. And if we're just feeding you, you know, um, like mulch, you know, you're not going to be very healthy. He stuck to it, okay, and he was faithful and committed to not partaking of the king's meat And at the end of it, you know what happened? They said they looked on his face, and they said Daniel's face was like glowing. He was glowing. He was healthier than everyone else. I want to encourage you, my 19-year-olds, as this is your last year here as a team. And God willing, if you come next year, and I hope you do, you're going to be 20, and you're going to be with the adults. You're hitting major crossroads. I know, I was there not too long ago. I'm only 32. 19? That was like yesterday. Time goes by so fast, by the way. So I want to encourage each and every one of you, all six of you that are standing, stay committed, stay faithful. Believe that God is going to come through. And you know, he will. I know he will. Because he said, I am with you always, even unto the end of the world. Thank you, you can sit down. Thank you for allowing me the opportunity of addressing each of you. Now we're going to go back to the disciples. You know, it wasn't enough that the disciples just met Jesus. It wasn't enough that Jesus came to them and said, Hey, come follow me. That wasn't enough. The disciples spent three years very close to the Lord. Three years. That's a long time. Can you imagine every single day of three years being right there with Jesus? Can you imagine hearing his words, seeing him lay his hands on people and performing miracles? Can you imagine that? Three years. That leads us to the second thing I want you to remember. What was the first thing? Go to God before you go into this world. The second principle is I, you need to grow before you go. You need to grow before you go. You guys have such passion and zeal and you want to do amazing things. And I absolutely love that about you guys. And I would love for that to be harnessed for the kingdom of God. But sometimes you need to slow the horse a little bit and go, whoa, not so fast. We need to grow before we go. The disciples spent three years, three years growing and maturing and staying close to God before that final moment where Jesus said to them, go ye therefore into all nations, unto all nations, teaching. baptizing teaching them. them, teaching them to observe the things I've commanded you. Three years. You cannot go before you grow. Okay, so now um, I would like to transition to something. I would like to transition to um, a very, very brief activity. And I, I'm, I need an object lesson, um, and I need three volunteers, but here's the criteria. I need three people that, that know, like, quite a bit about smartphones, which is probably like 85% of you. So if you know like, quite a bit about a smartphone, I need you to raise your hand if you want to be a volunteer. There will be a reward for participation. OK, hold on, hold on. Hold on. So I will take that young man in the back right there. next, Right there, you, yes, you. OK, I'd like a, a young lady. Do I have a young lady volunteering? Great, you can come. All right, and one more. You were the first one, Aiden, and you were the first one of class, so you could come up here. All right. You guys are each going to have one of these. Okay. Now just wait right here. Okay, everybody, I need you to calm down for a second. Take some deep breaths. Okay, before we begin this activity, I would like to explain something. Here are my three salesmen and saleswomen. And today, they are going to give you a pitch, and don't worry, I've written out your script pretty much, so you're fine, don't, don't worry. Um, They're going to give you a pitch on three different types of cell phone manufacturers and models, and at that point, I want to know what you guys think in terms of what you would buy, okay? And this is not like a marketing ploy, this is, this is an activity, okay? So we're going to start with you, okay? okay. And you could talk in the microphone, so... Okay. <laughs> Can I yeah, nice and loud, right in the mic. Actually, here, let me. Can I hold it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Great.
1: All right, all right.
0: Let's settle down. I have limited time.
1: For right. only $200, you can get an Able UPhone 1000 with uh, 5 gigs of storage, which is really bad. And
0: 500 so, gigs. 500
1: gigs. It's 5 gigabytes capable with stainless, with a stainless steel frame. Uh, it's waterproof, which is also terrific. A 6-inch sin- O-L-E- OLED screen. Great. 2.4 GHZ CPU. A dedicated GPU. 500 gigabytes of memory, which is good for all the camp pictures. Yep. 400 gigabytes RAM. And a dual 16MP camera with a Face ID. And 3000 mAh battery compatible with, an all, with all networks. And you get full coverage for two years. All right, thank you. All right,
0: just so to keep that in mind, that's the Able, the Able U Phone 1000. These are cheesy names. I made them all up myself, okay? All right, let's settle down. We're going to. Yep, so you basically what you're going to do is you're just going to read whatever you know on there. So just do the best you can, buddy. I'm not throwing any shade, just best you can. Just read the make and the model.
1: Don't worry. The Bathsheba, prototype Proto- Proto- g 999. Prices unknown. Prices unknown. Specs is unknown. Warranties unknown. All right.
0: That's all the information I gave this young man. He did a great job. Thank you. All right. And I have one more. What's your name? What was your name? Levi. Thank you, Levi. He did a great job. That's all the information he was given.
1: This phone is the Samson Make. The model is Mr. Universe S12. The price is $100 Canadian currency. And the specs is unknown and the warranty is unknown.
0: All right, thank you. Those are our three volunteers for these, um, you know, fake phones that I, I made up. You guys can stay up here. All right, all right. They did a great job. I feel bad for poor Levi. He purposely had the one that had nothing. He was like, there's nothing on here. And I said, I know, that's the point. So here's a question. Um, if these people came knocking on your door and you had a few hundred bucks in your pocket and you were you know, in the market for a new phone, whose phone would you most likely buy? All right, hold oh, on, No, on, no, no, hold no. on. Okay, no, no voices, no voices. Raise your hand if it's for the young lady here. All right, thank you. You're all reasonable. All right, raise your hand if it's Levi. All right, just because you like him. He's selling you with his personality. And how about this? This guy right here, Aiden, my buddy. All right, great. So you guys can go ahead and have a reward right here. You can each go ahead. You're done. Take one item from that bag, and you may sit down. Okay, great. Let's, let's settle down. Let's settle down. I know it's an exciting activity, but really it has a point. And here is the point. I don't want to liken, I want to be careful, I should say, about likening going out into this world as the same as selling something. I want to be careful about that. But there are some interesting distinctions. There are some interesting parallels. You see, for each of these people up here, um, what you didn't know about Levi is he was freshly hired onto the company it was like his first day and they basically said okay buddy go out there and sell some phones and he didn't know anything you know and then you had um my buddy Aiden who was maybe at the company for like a week he's just getting fresh he doesn't remember some of the specs and he's trying to sell you on something and then we got to and your name I'm sorry Miriam Miriam. you got to Miriam Miriam is like a how old are you 17 year old veteran at this company and she knew everything there was to know about this phone. And so when she went out there, she could tell you right off the bat, like, this is how much it's going to cost. And you know what? Here's the reality. This is no surprise, but when you know what you're talking about, number one. Number two, when you believe in your product. And number three, when you own it yourself you have personal experience, these three things are the keys, the, the secrets of success to being a good salesman if you're selling a physical good. Here's the parallel. When Jesus told his disciples, go ye therefore, remember principle number one, they went. They were with the Lord for three years. They went to God. And not only that, but they grew. They were with him for three years. They heard his words. They were blessed with the Holy Spirit. And thus, they were equipped and they were capable when they went out to preach the gospel with boldness and with confidence Speaking the truth. And it resonated in people's hearts. And you know what it produced? It produced a lot of people who were, who were coming and joining the church. The church is growing. There was amazing revival. That's what was happening. That's the parallel that we have here. Okay, Romans 10, 13 through 15. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The following verses, actually, I I love these verses. They actually work their way backwards in how they're laying out the argument for the the chain. The chain that leads to that that final step where a soul has heard the gospel and they've converted. Ready? It asks the question, how then shall they, how will you call on him in whom you haven't believed? How will you call on the name of the Lord? See the verse 13 says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord Jesus shall be saved. How can you call on the, on the name of the Lord Jesus if you haven't believed? And then it keeps going. And how shall you believe in him of whom you haven't heard? So you have to hear to believe, and you have to believe to call on. Ready? Let's keep going back. And how shall they hear without a preacher? How are they going to hear without a preacher? Who is a preacher? I mean, right now, I am a preacher. A preacher is someone who is sending the message of the gospel. I don't want you to think literally like, well, I'm not a preacher in church, so I'm not a preacher. And how shall they preach except they be sent? How shall they preach unless they go? Go. As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. So here you have this picture of people that have drawn near to God and they've been sent. They've been sent to do what? They've been sent to preach. What, is the pre- what happens with the preaching? People hear. What happens when people hear? They believe. What happens when they believe? They can call upon the name of the Lord. And what happens when you call upon the name of the Lord? You'll be saved. That's what Romans 10, 13 through 15 tells us. Okay, So when I said, principle number two, you must grow before you grow, it's time to plant your gardens. And I'd like to suggest a few things. I'd like to suggest that you plant three rows of squash. Okay, number one, squash gossip. Number two, squash criticism. And number three, squash indifference. Okay? I'd like to suggest you plant three rows of peas. Number one is purity. Number two is patience. Number three is perseverance. I'd like to suggest that you plant six heads of lettuce, or six rows of lettuce. Number one, let us be unselfish and loyal. I know, I know, it's okay. Stay with me. All right. I know. I know, guys. Believe me, I'm just as embarrassed of myself as you are of me. I have five more to go through. Two, let us be faithful to duty. Three, let us search the scriptures. Four, let us not be weary in well doing. Five, let us be obedient in all things. And six, let us love one another. And of course, no garden is complete without turnips, right there on your bottom left. So, number one, turn up for church, prayer service, and Bible study, please. Turn up with a smile listen to this next one turn up with a smile even when things are difficult number three turn up with determination to do your best for god because after planting second peter 3 18 may you grow in the grace and in the knowledge of our lord and savior jesus christ that is my prayer for every single one of you what would it be like what would it be like I have a serious question for you guys now. I love having fun with you guys. I've had so much fun in teen choir. But I have a serious question now for you guys, and I want you to just stop. I want you to just do me the courtesy of really thinking about this question, okay? What would it be like if 188 out of 188 teens were converted next year? What would it be like? I want you to think about it. Don't don't say anything out loud. I want you to think about that. I want you to imagine, imagine for, with me for a second, the force, the amazing, tremendous force that would go out for the gospel of Jesus Christ. I want you to imagine the passion and zeal in that army of young people who are ready to take on the world and ready to change it. And not in some humanitarian way, which is a good thing, but it's only going to fix things for a time, but in a way that is going to make an impression that lasts forever. I want you to imagine the impact on the waiting world. And you know what? Above that, I want you to imagine the impact in this room with every single one of you. What would it be like? What would it be like? 188 out of 188 teens. I mean, I would be praising God. I already praise God for you. I'm already so thankful you're here. But what would that be like? I'm going to leave you with this final thought. I'm going to leave you with an exhortation to go, to go to God. Go to him first, because you need to do that first. And you need to go before you grow. And you need to grow before you can go. But what would it be like? Let's all close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we're just so thankful for this time. We're so thankful for the moments that we've had in this past hour in which we've been able to reflect upon your word, upon the example of the disciples, upon the pattern of their calling, of their conversion, of their being sent to preach. I'm thankful, Father, for the examples of The heroes in faith who though many of them were young were able to do amazing things because they trusted in you and you alone. Father, I'm thankful for that and I'm thankful for this time. You are so good. Father, you are good. Your calling has gone forth today to the 163 souls that are here that have not yet accepted you in their hearts And been obedient to follow after you step by step. Father, in this evening as we close, I pray for every soul here that they would go to you in this week. That your spirit would convict their hearts and touch them. That they would run to you, Lord. That they would seek you out, your blessings, your guidance, your satisfaction, your fulfillment your attention, your love. Father, that they would go to you, that they would experience and taste your goodness, that they would grow into the body of Jesus Christ, into all things. Father, that they could be all things to all men in this world, a powerful force able to move seemingly immovable objects because your Holy Spirit will be with them and behind them and doing all of the heavy lifting. Father, I pray that every heart that is open this evening, Father, that you would touch them. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you all for coming.